0: Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt.
1: And this is Jesse. This week on
0: TAP, we have The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss and Oliver Jackson, directed and written by Lee Wennell. This is the third installment in our Now You See Me cask with the latest iteration of our Invisible Man story uh, released just this weekend. Um, I'm sure we've got a ton to talk about, but uh, going forward, we are going to make a bit of a change in the opening, right? And that's to Jesse's sort of discussion here. We're going to start talking about the screenwriter a little bit. I because think so.
1: I think so. A lot of our conversations are are based around story. And I think, you know, let's start, you know, let's start talking about who's writing these things too which we do in the episode but let's do it right up front
0: connect some dots maybe and give some people a little bit more history and volume that we can tie together
1: exactly you know matt's doing the intro this week cuz i'm still feeling a little little under it right now the voice isn't quite 100% but matt i was thinking back to to, to last year when this happened to me uh, the, the the prior time and we we've gone 53 like straight weeks recording an episode and we haven't missed. So that's pretty great. You know, like we're showing here, you know, whether rain or sleet or mucus or cough to bring you weekly entertainment on film. And sometimes it might not sound, uh, the, the The conversation will always be good, but we might not be always up to par, but we're <laughs> always here for you. Yeah. So. And
0: I got to tell you for everybody else, that was the third time through just me doing the opening. Um, so Jesse sort of carved out a nice niche for there, so if that's a little sketchy, put that one on my okay. on my plate.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, let's have some more of this Bib and Tucker. Maybe, yeah, let's maybe the that. whiskey will do me will do me pretty well.
0: I think once upon a time that was Grandpa's medicine for that purpose.
1: No joke. There you go. Yeah, Here's to you. Well, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. And like, I feel good. It's just your voice. All this like stuff in like my my nasal passages, but. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the Invisible Man, released yesterday. You know, this is uh, a new reinvention of the classic H. G. Wells tale that we've been talking about the last two weeks. And what better way than to talk about a flight question? You know, kind of based all around classic horror. So, my question to you was: Invisible Man was 1933, 1934 getting reimagined uh, today. What's another film pre-1940 that could also do with this same treatment?
0: What hung me up on this question was the date. The 1940 number creates a small sample. Yeah. Okay, so I still, even as I'm about to go into this, I'm not 100% sure. I could be a little contrarian and talk about something that might have some potential, or I could do, I think, what is the obvious. And I think something that you and I and Antonia had some discussion this week on on Instagram. Um, so look, I kicked the tires on the Phantom. That's not one of the choices. I think the redeeming point of the first Phantom is how good the Phantom looks. Long, terrifying Long looking, Chaney. Chaney Sr. Yeah, I think he's a legend. Sharp teeth. And, mm-hmm. and that's like 20,
1: Six, 26, 27.
0: 26, mm-hmm. 27. The other one might be one of the ones I kicked the tires on. Uh, Maybe a little harder and considered, and that's The Hunchback. That's all the way to 22. Mm -hmm. That's an old film. Mm -hmm. I struggled with the reimagining of that in a setting that wasn't a mid-16th century
1: church sort of ringing the bell. It's hard not to picture the Disney version of that, too.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that does create a bit of a... Challenge. So it didn't make it and it didn't make it just because I decided right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with the original version of this movie. Okay. I think we had it. I sent you a nice list this week that ranked them all on Rotten Tomatoes. This yeah. is yeah. not a surprise to anyone. Okay. This isn't going to sneak up on anyone. I just think it needs to be reimagined for a new generation that does what Branod didn't do in the 90s when he tried it. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about The Bride and brana tried that in the 90s with de niro and he told the full story of frankenstein the mary shelley version which included the bride so i mean it's in there but that movie and actually you know to everybody out there that's the first date that myself and my wife went on oh wow that movie that's awesome i created a monster literally there you go
1: um yeah that movie's not great
0: no it's not terrible it's just it's brana so it's very uptight and regal and I guess experience Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like take Thor and mm-hmm. put it in universal monsters. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to say the bride. Okay. Today in a new way with a cast cast that fits a palette for under 30 going people. What about that?
1: I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to think about this one who would play the bride. Um, but also, would you want it Victorian, modern day?
0: Man. So that was the sticking point on all three of these. And also, I was going to go into the the nightcap question at the end, as I struggled with, do I want it set then or now? I think if you're going to reimagine it, mm-hmm. the reimagining isn't another Victorian era. It needs to be contemporary. And I think that that plays with the science a little bit better yeah. than roll them up on this thing and the lightning storm and the lightning will hit this <laughs> sino- node. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, okay. Although I love that. Like oh. I I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think contemporary. And so you woman who's going to play the bride. Yeah. Let me kick that around in a minute while you answer. And then I'll come back with my, all right. So I hadn't good. considered that.
1: So yeah, pre 1940, it's a lot of universal monster fare. It's a lot of, you know, the German expressionism, you know, silent films. I thought about Caligari, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, while they were doing the Universal Monsters, um, Carl Emily Jr. was also, you know, dabbling into these kind of team up films, is what I'll call them, with Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. And one of the first ones they did was one called The Black Cat, based on Edgar Allan Poe's um, short story. Is
0: that 35?
1: It's like 1934, I think. Yeah. It was the their biggest hit that year, actually. And the story is interesting because I've never read The Black Cat, but I don't think it's based, uh, the film's really based like 100% on it. It's a loose adaptation, but it's very cult-like and like Black Mass ceremony, satanic ritual with um, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff just totally killing it. So I want to see that version of the story, but done modernly with, a, with, a, with an update. Keep the Black Mass and the satanic ritual and find two actors that, you know, work well together, whether maybe not as you know, high profile as like a Brad Pitt and Clooney, but like a James McAvoy and like a Michael Fassbender, like that could be pretty cool.
0: That is cool. Mm-hmm. Before I answer the question that you gave me earlier, yeah. you kind of sparked something that we don't do often. We don't talk a lot of TV on this podcast, especially because mm-hmm. it's about film and it has no place in the state other than what you said. This, I'm. It I'm, has no place here. <laughs> I'm laughing as I admit this to all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. On Netflix, have you started, or it's already in three seasons, done. Have you done any of the Sabrina, the chilling adventures of Sabrina? Mm-mm. Dude, that really pushes the envelope. Okay. I promise you, I, I mean this, with every moment of I, honesty we've had with between each other. I believe you. That really pushes the envelope. Okay. If you can stomach about the first eight episodes until it really kind of finds its footing, mm-hmm. dude, buckle up. Okay. Um, I, I'm not even with the violence and everything. Just like they are all in on how satanic that is.
1: <laughs> That's cool.
0: And Sabrina's kind of comedic and Archie and Riverdale. And there's even a little tie to that mm-hmm. universe. Not the comedic, but like Riverdale, Riverdale.
1: Yeah. You
0: might want to spend some time with that.
1: You know what I started watching is uh, on Amazon, uh, The Boys. Yeah, I yeah. want to get to that too. You haven't seen it? I oh, have not. You'll love it.
0: Have I? Okay. And
1: talking back to last week, Elizabeth shoes in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a great cast and it's doing superheroes and. Uh, edgy way that doesn't feel so Marvel or DC. It, it feels very fresh, which is needed. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. So, so who's, who's I'm going to, I'm going to hit. Them? Okay. <sighs> if we're going to go with a little
0: bit aged bride, it's Jennifer Connolly And that's not even close. Although she might be out of the
1: realm of what we want. Age wise. You know what I watched this week, actually career opportunities. I was going to say career oh, opportunities. God, that movie's bad, but she's not. Yeah. She's no, not. She's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I
0: mean, Bad. Mm-hmm. A good bad. Mm-hmm. So then personal preference would be Blake Lively, but she doesn't fit. So I have one better than both of those. It's Marion Cutyard.
1: Ooh. That's your bride. That would be good. Yeah. Excellent. That's your bride.
0: I like all those and choices. We'll put her opposite Dr. Frankenstein, which can be Clive Owen?
1: No. Okay, no. I, I'm not going to see that <laughs> he movie. just said no. Yeah. Hugh Jackman, someone else, like get someone else. can not you there. just give him a chance? No, I can't. All right, okay. Well, that's a great start. I want to see both new versions of the Black Cat and the Bride. We'll see what we get, but I think it's it, coming.
0: No, it's it's coming. Did you read all the Invisible Man post stuff? And like, it's coming. We're gonna, we're gonna
1: talk about that in Dark Universe because when I was watching the movie last night, I came to a very firm position on what I want. So let's get right to it. So our review, happy hour breakdown of The Invisible Man. Adrian, he was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then I was controlling when I left the house and eventually what I thought. The Invisible Man opens up with Adrian Griffin's Multi-million-dollar mansion estate, very, very San Francisco-like architecturally designed, and I was really homeboy's got got some money. He he? sure does. Holy smokes! But I was immediately drawn to another film that we had talked about later last year, which was It Chapter Two, and in particular, a Beverly Marsh's adult storyline and kind of uh this woman, you know, Elizabeth Moss, she plays Cecilia. And she's really stuck in this very abusive, dominating relationship. And what we're seeing is we're getting in very late with her. Again, talking about get in late. Mm -hmm. She's making her escape, which has, you know, been very thought out with, you know, drugging him and, you know, positioning the camera so she could watch on the phone. And then, you know, just trying to get through, through the house that's really laid out really well. I got to tell you, I was really on the edge of my seat in this opening sequence. Like I did not know what was going to happen. And I thought it was, I think thought Lee will knock this opening out of the park.
0: Yes. It's really, really well done watching her very quietly creep across the floor. And as she's dumping out the last remaining of water with the diazepam that she's (laughs) roofied Adrian with Mm -hmm. the sound of it trickling down the drain is the only sound you hear. And you're just praying to the Lord above Mm -hmm. that she's not so loud. She wakes him up. And then we get the bit in the garage with the car and the dog and you kind of feel like that whole escape scene, about seven, eight minutes, any wrong move and he's awake and he even does kind of jostle a little <coughs> bit. She plays around with the camera and she's setting that ladder up to adjust the camera to see what he was doing so she could monitor yeah, his movement that, on that, his was, phone. that was good. I was like, oh, just don't do it. And like, please don't pull down whatever you're going to pull down. Like, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. So I think that was good right away. We found ourselves allying with our protagonist, mm-hmm.
1: which is interesting because Claude Rains' Invisible Man is obviously a POV from his perspective, the villain, the antagonist, and much last week is Hollow Man, Kevin Bacon, Sebastian Crane. We're kind of seeing everything from his perspective too. Now we're kind of seeing everything from the victim of of sorts, which was an interesting parallel. Because this film very much could have focused on Adrian Griffin as a character and as a villain. And I thought it was a lot more interesting to actually see her ramifications of dealing with this and and how, seeing how she reacted to it. I thought that was, I'll say the word fresh. It, it didn't feel like the past versions of this story.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And it felt new because it was set in a really good place. San Francisco was a perfect place. Mm-hmm. So as we're watching Cecilia, that's Elizabeth Moss, barely escape his estate you really are setting a nice tone for the film that I will argue most, we'll get to this, most of the film, Lee Wennell does a good job of keeping that feeling going. Mm -hmm. Whether he's next to you and you can't see him, which is in the trailer, so he's the invisible man and he might be anywhere at all times, they start that right away even when you can see him because we're tied on her watching her escape and it's dark. He could be behind her, and we come to find out later, he really was behind her, huh? Okay, so basically she escapes the estate through a field, a meadow, if you will, I guess, and then hops this wall and heads to the highway to be picked up by her sister. And as her sister picks her up in the car, guess who appears? Adrian. Adrian. Mm -hmm. Boom, punches the glass. This is important Mm -hmm. because he starts to bleed. And secondly, we get if that guy can punch through the window on a car, he's probably punched through her or tried to a few times. So we're establishing a really important channel of horror story right now and that's socially conscious. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's domestic abuse and I don't think anyone that's uh, unfamiliar with this movie that's something revolutionary or unknown to them. Like the the trailers and such prove Mm -hmm. that we're tackling that ground, he's this domestic asshole. Mm Okay, so away in the car we go, and I think what's really well done next is the effects of that. Mm -hmm. She takes refuge in a friend's house. Um, It's uh, James James something, Mm -hmm. Lanier or something. Mm -hmm. And he kind of puts her up, but everything she does is over her shoulder looking, maybe he's coming. And he's still visible at this point. She doesn't know that he's dead or maybe not dead. Exactly. But, man, they've set it up. This woman is truly troubled by him. And yep. that creates a sense of foreboding. And, you know, Jesse, I like about that. Mm-hmm. It's organic. The fear that she feels comes from the situation <coughs> and is playing out in an organic way. Did you like that, that post-escape bit in um, James's house? I loved it. Okay.
1: Uh, well, she drops the diazephram outside. And he picks it up and, you know, gets his bloody paws all over that and that's gonna come back later. But no, I liked I liked the post the post effect that Cecilia goes through because she's very traumatized. Even to just go out to the mailbox and there's this jogger that almost comes and you think, Oh, maybe is that him? But it's it's so shocking for her and you know, you know, just kind of thinking about you know, people that are put in that situation, how traumatizing your own personal securities can become. And this is something that always really bothers me in movies is the invasion of people's privacy and talking about a film like the invisible man, where you could have an invisible assailant in your house and not even know it. Like that really gets under my skin. Like as horror, that's always been one, one thematic element that's always bugged me. You ever seen Unlawful Entry? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can't that, that that movie's got me like on the edge of my seat the entire time.
0: Or funny games.
1: All that all that kind of stuff. I can't handle that. So they set it up really well with, with her character and then, you know, you know, being helped out by this cop and, and the daughter, and they're trying to, you know, help get her back to a normal sense of life. And that's when we kind of get the the past. And I like that the film didn't go and show flashbacks. It's all just from her perspective, which made it seem more personal that he beat me amongst other things, and he really wanted a baby, but I was taking birth control while well, he didn't know to because I couldn't, you know, bring that into the world with him because then I'd be truly trapped with him.
0: I want to get back to that because I think that sequence you're talking about is really loaded. That's mm-hmm. uh, a big point in the second act. When I saw that Blumhouse had chosen to produce this movie, mm-hmm. I didn't say that was a bad fit, I thought it was an interesting fit. And as I thought more and more about it and it played out last night, what I come to realize with invisible man is essentially the horror tropes. If you want to call that is what this film is that they use Mm -hmm. are the same ones that a ghost movie uses. Yeah. How you torment somebody in an unseen state. Mm -hmm. Now this is where I thought things got really cool for me cerebrally in this film. Mm -hmm. A lot of ghost movies is something's happening. Let's go to the cops Hey, officer, there's a ghost in my house. No, there isn't. You're crazy. Go back home. Like, and we spend 25 minutes to 30 minutes of the film getting to what we know is not going to happen because eventually the cop is going to show up Mm -hmm. and die. Mm -hmm. So this movie also has that because as we get to later, her sanity is in question, and it's important because there's a financial reward to that if she can maintain it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so we're talking about another version of abuse here, but... With The Invisible Man, you're getting to that same point right away with everyone that we get in ghost movies with the cops. I swear there's a ghost in my house. Yeah, There's no ghost here. You're crazy. The Invisible Man, is he's right there over your shoulder. No, he's not. Cecilia, you're crazy. And it does it so much more germanely or organically in the script. I found that very refreshing. And actually that part of ghost movies that I hate Mm -hmm. stop wasting my time and get on with it. Who cares about these cops anyway? Exactly. Was significant and entertaining in this film. That was really well done. And I, Mm -hmm. I, at that point I realized Blumhouse is doing this movie like a ghost film
1: and good for them. That's what this essentially is. Blumhouse is such an interesting company because just two weeks ago they turned out that trash fantasy Island horror film but then they'll do something like this, you know what I mean? Like, they'll do Get Out, but then they'll do, like, some other film that, like, isn't even up to, to code for them. In- interesting, you know, what, you know what I mean?
0: I think any time we see a horror with them, though, I'm at least hopeful. Don't you feel good about the chances of that movie oh. being good with them? Oh, all the time. I mean, Fantasy Island was a huge miss, but there's a lot more hits I don't than know there how are that, misses. I don't know how that looked good on paper to begin with. Yeah, I don't know either. Again, that was that... That's, I bet you that was on the shelf for a number of years and they said we need something this week. Let's go it's done. Let's just put it out. That's the Pluto Nash of, oh. of Blumhouse. No, really, I mean that. You know, it sat on the shelves for three years. Yeah. There's nothing out this week. Let's see if we can't make something on this. Hey, one person went to see it. We recouped
1: ten dollars.
0: Oh no, it was Regal Movie Pass. Never mind.
1: Oh <coughs> <coughs> movie pass. <laughs> Real quick, before we get to the revelation about Adrian here coming up, let's talk about Lee Wannell here for a second. So this is you know, James Wan's, like, buddy, who, you know, they co-wrote uh, Saw, they they did the short film, and then Saw, he's in it as Adam, uh, one of the guys there with Carrie Elway's, and, you know, he helped co-write some of the sequels, and he was very intricately involved with also, I, think, I believe he co-wrote Insidious with him, he's in Insidious as uh, as Specs, uh, one of the, the ghost hunting uh, tour with Lin Shay there, and... He's kind of carved out his own little niche, Matt. Did you did you see the movie Upgrade that he did prior to this one?
0: Okay, I have to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I bailed. I thought that was garbage. Mm. I made it about twenty five minutes, and I know there's Upgrade Two coming. Yeah. There's a it's. I thought it was trash. So I, yes, but I did not like it.
1: Yeah, I rather like that one. But I I'd like that he he did something different with with action, and now he's coming here to low budget horror, mm-hmm. and then. I'm going to come back to this at the end of the episode with, with what his next project is because it very much intrigues me. But no, I think he's he's got a real sense of how to create suspense from, you know, being involved with James Wan and, you know, helping craft a lot of these stories and these twists and turns. I think both those men really understand how horror is played out.
0: Yeah, he learned at the side of, I think, a master, a current modern horror master. Mm-hmm. James Wan, as much as I like Blumhouse with horror, if James Wan puts his name on horror, not as a producer, but as director or writer, heck yeah. So, protege ascending a mantle of of horror, but smart
1: horror. Except I gotta tell you what James Wan, he wrote that last Annabelle film, which was terrible. It was so bad. I know. Okay, maybe, but yeah.
0: then that's fair. But like again, same thing with Blumhouse. A couple misses. I know when James Wan puts his name on a horror project, you're mm-hmm. already at least intrigued. Yeah. So if he can take whatever that magic is that Wan uses and find a way to channel it, and I think for most of this film, he did.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he builds tension in the right places. It's it's really, man. This should have been on. This should have been a tagline on the poster. We've always been saying, "What you don't see is scarier than what you do see." That's this whole film right. in a nutshell.
0: And to that, because we'll miss this if we don't say it, mm-hmm. kudos to uh, Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth uh, Moss. Mm-hmm. She's great in oh, this movie. She killed it. She really did. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, she's acting scared at nothing. Mm-hmm. And she's really, really good in this mm-hmm. film.
1: Yeah. And yeah, we'll talk about more uh her here in a second. Well, why don't you go ahead and hit us with the revelation about Adrian that we find out here in the very next scene.
0: So we've come to realize, I think it's a couple weeks later after she's shacked up with her buddy, that he's died. He's dead. Killed himself. Yep, supposedly. And with that comes quite an opportunity for her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What happened to him? He cut his wrist. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. It can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. So she's gonna get five millions from 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 his estate as kind of a parting gift. He was, I guess, he was in the She was in the will, and she's gonna put this to good use. She's gonna this uh this cop uh you know James has a as a daughter. She wants to go to this fashion school. She's opened up an account for her. Gonna put in you know payments monthly, which is really awesome for a year. So pay for her education, and she's gonna get. I think they said a hundred thousand dollars. Every every month for the next four or five years, whatever that equates to, but yeah, if things are looking on the up. She's gonna she's gonna go um, for a job interview, and she's kind of getting her life back on track. But this is where it all just starts going south, like immediately. And I got to tell you, uh, I think a really well done sequence. Uh, so she's she's sharing a room with um with mm-hmm. the, with the youngest daughter, and they're asleep there in bed, and you just see this like flashing and it almost looks like someone shining a light at them. And I knew exactly what he was doing. He's taking photos of them with, with his, with, with the phone, Matt, Oh God. uh, That really bothered me like big time. And then when she woke up and there was that mannequin with the hat, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, I, I didn't know what that was. And they didn't explain it. And I was like, who's that guy there? I was really, really uncomfortable. And that doesn't happen to me a lot. Like in horror films, you know, I've seen quite a bit takes a lot to really unnerve me. I was really uncomfortable in this moment.
0: So asleep, so vulnerable, Mm -hmm. completely unaware at the proclivities of whoever is in that room with you. I mean, we would talk about Marion Crane in the shower Mm -hmm. and how poorly equipped she was to defend Norman, defend herself from Norman. This is even worse. Mm -hmm. She's not, I mean, she's conscious, but she's asleep. And here's this creeper in there. And I think this scene and these bedroom bit like this bedroom bit to me is really loaded because later the reveal is going to come that she's actually pregnant and i want to talk a lot about that mm-hmm. not her pregnancy but the impact of that on the film what is he doing in that room what is he going to do with those pictures and for most of it she's unaware although he does give himself away a little bit on purpose mm-hmm. to start the process of terrorizing her and breaking down her mental capabilities or the proof that she's of a sound mind.
1: Oh, he's already pulled the comforter off and then she's trying to pull it back on and he's sitting on it, standing on it.
0: And then he kind of moves up it. Can I backtrack for a minute? Yeah, that's a great scene, but I want to ask you an opinion based question here. Okay. The contract that is tied to the trust that Griffin leaves. Oh, okay. Cecilia. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts or how much do you trust the validity of that contract as it's given to us in the film. Have you given much thought to that?
1: No, it's interesting just because, you know, I would be hesitant myself to be in cahoots with this family anymore after all this has gone down. You know what I mean? Yeah. To like, keep, keep sticking with it. Yeah. I wonder it, it, it does come in, come come into play, but it's hard to really truly buy, buy into it at the same time.
0: Right. It's hard to buy into it. And it's hard to buy into how the trust is allocated if her state of mental capabilities degrades to a point where she doesn't receive the money because his brother is the one who's the lawyer that constructed the contract and the trust and is Mm -hmm. the executor then as such. This, to me, was a really interesting and tough good, mm-hmm. tough piece to sift through because I think this contract is the linchpin to the final quarter of the film. Oh, yeah. It's so important. If you believe that the contract is as it's stated on the trust and it's done in a way by the brother that is on the up and up with fidelity to be carried out the way Griffin wrote it, mm-hmm. then so be it but we're gonna start to get some evidence going forward that maybe not all is as it seems, especially regarding that contract. And I'm telling you, this is one of the, I think, most undermined pieces of cinematic conflict that we've discussed on this podcast. We could do a shot Mm -hmm. just on this contract, because I have about 50 things on that that I think make this movie a lot more layered, even with some of the twists that come later, that totally change the way we view or think about protag and antag in this movie and where it's going from here. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just be frank about what's coming. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not even sure I feel about this. There is an invisible man too coming. It's called The Invisible Woman. Elizabeth Banks has her hands all over it.
1: I don't think it's tied to this film, though.
0: So, um... Elizabeth Moss gave an interview sort of talking about that. Mm-hmm. And in the interview she gave, she is referencing what it means in the franchise and then what it means for her. So I'm not exactly sure either.
1: Mm, I don't know if it should go that way. Well,
0: the trouble with that is, you know, I'm a big Elizabeth Banks fan. Yeah. No, ugh, we all saw Brightburn or no one saw Brightburn. And you're welcome if you didn't. Mm-hmm. Thank you for not seeing a terrible film. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks' endeavors in entertainment in the last four or five years have been not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's already discussions being had about a universal invisible sequencing or franchise. We'll see how all that goes. And we're getting to the dark world and all this Jesus. Well, maybe. Yeah. Unless they deliver it really well. And then we're, you know, mistaken. And yeah, good. Good for us.
1: But to me, the
0: I just think this contract is it's really important to what this does for the film going forward. And
1: to me, the story's finished at the end of this film as well. I don't think there's anything left to really tell except she has a baby invisible baby whose baby
0: <laughs> no no Jesse who's think about
1: it Whose yeah. baby no, yeah yeah
0: that's what I was saying is he's in the bedroom taking pictures mm-hmm. whose baby is she pregnant with
1: well I, I was under the assumption it was I thought that I thought she had gotten pregnant prior to her leaving was how I viewed it because she said it, it, she had been it was it was a couple months and we're only like a couple weeks removed from the breakup or the running away. So sure,
0: maybe, yeah, yeah. No, I mean maybe, yeah. And I think that is a nice out if she's pregnant with the Invisible Man at this point's baby. But I'm going to ask you again, mm-hmm. and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we're going to find out that who we think of the Invisible Man may not have been the Invisible Man the whole time. I have and thoughts if of, that guy's sneaking into the room, I have if, thoughts about that too. Who's sneaking into the room, and if he's un. Un- uncovering her and she doesn't know if he's ever been there and all of the other things that can go along when in an unseen state there is a possible question mm-hmm. about who this baby that might be and I gotta tell you as much as we make fun and have made fun of a post credit sequence with with Tom Cruise mm-hmm. I wanted a bit in this film that was post credits with her having that baby and then them running some test and the scientist going like oh my goodness and just cut
1: <sighs> I don't. I don't know. I know. I yes. Yes, you do. No, I didn't. I was pretty satisfied at the end of this film. Like, and and it's, it's you know, I know they're gonna. It's gonna make money, obviously, and there's a potential to do a sequel or something. But I don't. I don't know if personally, I don't want that because I thought I had a a complete story from beginning, middle, to the end. And her final. We're getting to the end of the movie here, but like her final kind of just look. What that was enough for me. I don't want to see invisible baby 2024. You know what I mean?
0: I think the baby would be invisible. The I, baby know, I know. I know. I'm just,
1: I'm, I'm being, I'm being a jackass, but I don't think there's anything left in this story to be told, especially after we finish kind of explaining it, but that's just me. But then I'm going to come back to my stance on, these cohesive universes here in a little bit.
0: Yeah, and let's, I don't, we need to talk about the rest of the story, but forget <clears throat> too much to the end. But I want to talk specifically about the ending because I thought about you specifically when this film ended. Okay. But we'll get there when we get there. All right. So I think we've left off with um, the.
1: So now she's in the, she's in the like the being terrorized okay, mode. Ter- so, okay, let's go there. She kind of gets, yeah, this spook in the room that really scared me. And then she's got this job interview the next day and she goes and she's going to, it's like a,
0: architectural firm, I think uh,
1: architecture, graphic design. And she opens her portfolio and there's like nothing in there. Right. And she's like, shit, like it was in there. Like, where did it go? And then it's just a trickle effect after trickle effect. So she, she goes to see her sister and her sister's all pissed off. Um, actually, let me backtrack. Cause there's another scene where she's in the shower. She gets out and the, the diaphragm is on the, on the sink there. So who could have possibly put that there? I left it on the, on the road two weeks ago who would have been able to put that? I think it, I think it's him. He's not dead
0: and important that it's (laughs) bloodstained because we do see him at that moment when he punches the window of the car out and she drops the drugs and drives away. We see him pick it up with a bloody hand, bloody from punching out the window. So his blood is on that. Exactly. So we've set that up and now it's paid off that he must, I want to be careful with must in this. Mm -hmm. He must have put it on the counter. He it must have been put on the counter, but someone put it I don't on the counter. If, if he is the right pronoun, he being Griffin.
1: See, that's what I want to talk about too. Like, yeah. what do you think? Uh, well, let's save that for the end because that's kind of loaded as well. We'll build up to that, okay. and then the next one is um, her sisters received this email from Cecilia saying that she doesn't want to be a part of her life. Mm-hmm. She really lets her have it. She's like, I didn't write that. Like. She's like, I love you. I, 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 she's like, I didn't expect any money from this settlement or, or whatnot.
0: So the contract's back
1: in play again. So she goes back home and sees this scathing email about, I don't want you in my life anymore. And obviously she didn't write this. So someone's, you know, hacked into her, into her thing here.
0: Okay, so I think you've just set up something that's important to me in this. The fact that that email <coughs> that is not written by Cecilia to her sister, but from an invisible man, And references the money again is crucial to this film. Mm -hmm. So, again, I'm also setting up Ryan Nation to pay this off, I hope later. So, everyone should probably go see this film as well. For sure. Mm -hmm. You should go see this film for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so they're at odds, and people are starting to now look at her like something's wrong with this woman. You didn't even mention the part at the job interview when she just faints and then they go to the hospital and find out she's loaded with diazepam. Mm-hmm. So she's looking like a drug addict yep. with no portfolio work, strange emails, and then they do a really good job with the makeup because they put none on her and start to make her look very dark around the eyes. Because again, mm-hmm. after that happened in the bedroom and someone's taken off your covers, how do you sleep? I could With one eye open? Yeah, no way. To not see the Invisible Man anyway. Boy, she's stuck. See that mannequin looking at you with the hat. Yeah, man, that's good. All that's really good stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're watching the de-evolution of her mental capabilities as this movie's progressing with still no way to defend herself from the Invisible Man. And so he terrorizes her for 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. a hard 30 minutes. Yeah. And it's all really entertaining and very good, hearty, Horror tropey stuff.
1: It really, really comes to a head there, where you know she's really having an emotional breakdown there in her room, and then um, the girl there, played by Storm Reid, comes in and says, "We need, let's have a girls' night. Like, let's, I'll, I'll send Dad out. You need, let's just get you back up, get your spirits up." And the invisible assailant just punches her in the face. Oh, that was that was kind of rough. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's so shocked. So James comes in, he's like, I got to get my daughter out of here, away from you. Like, you need to figure out your stuff. So she, they leave her alone. And that's when she's like, okay, I know you're in here. I know you're somewhere. And this is always my favorite part. Totally bastardized and hollow, man, with the blood. But she does the same thing with coffee beans. And, you know, we're trying to find, like, different tools of the trade to, like, see if we can, like, get any type of evidence of him. And then this all kind of boils to a head where she kind of gets this idea where she's like, I'm going to call his phone. So she calls it and she hears it vibrating in the attic. Man, I don't know if if, if at, at this point if you would necessarily like go into the attic like she does like well as
0: long as you didn't find a burned picture of Katie up there, I guess it would be okay. Oh, right? there, there you go. <laughs> yeah so um, she she
1: goes up there, finds the portfolio, the phone, um, the her the computer. So someone's just like hanging out up there you know, with all the evidence. And then I think a really, really great moment here on the the precipice of the stairs. And I have a sound clip of, of it here, but she thinks someone's like there, close by, and and this cop's been like painting. He's like repainting his house, so she, he's got paint up there in the attic, and she just douses it on on the on the thing, and it. We get this shriek. It's it. This it scared the hell out of me, Matt. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to put the two clips up together one of these days soon, but that's almost the same sound effect that uh, the xenomorph does to Dallas in the vents oh, when it wow. reaches, yeah, you're when, right. it, when it reaches like, Rrr! you're right. Yeah. So that really, so it covers something. And so she freaks out, but now there's evidence on him. There's paint. Like we got to like follow that trail now. I thought that was really good.
0: And we get our first look at the invisible man in a semi visible <clears throat> state. And that's not entirely human looking. Yeah, Because it gives you just enough to see that there's a facial structure there, but it's not defined like a face could be. And there's a body structure mm-hmm. that's a little too smooth to be. And so that was really intriguing. But I want to go back one step too, because for as much as you love this, what I loved about this scene was a continuation of the discussion you have at the police station and the, cop mo- and the ghost movie where they never believe you. Mm-hmm. What the invisible man is doing at this point. So uh, the, ultimately, the end result of the cop visit in the ghost movie is isolation. No one believes you. And so you are by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of created out of lies and misbelief. This is created in an actual state of organic isolation. Her sister doesn't want anything to do with her. The place where she was finding a safe place to hang out, although it doesn't really seem that safe considering what you said in the attic, mm-hmm. He basically says, if you're gonna punch my kid, we're done and basically we are done. The Invisible Man's doing a really good job of leaving her with nobody on her team except herself. Can I
1: say this? Yep. No outs. No outs. Yep.
0: I think that was really well written, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I mean it, to, to Lee Wannell, mm-hmm. good job, man. No. That's really smart, done subtly in the script intelligently in a way that makes sense where consequence and action fit
1: i think of the, and it's all going to reach ahead and i think another really great scene that literally made me gasp in in the theater but we'll we'll build up to that so it's like mano mono mano fisticuffs with an invisible assailant he's throwing her all over the the, the house yeah this cop's going to come back and he's like man my house is trash is paint and everything's broken all over the place but she takes off Trying to just get away from him, picks up an Uber driver and
0: God. Is that the slowest Uber driver ever <laughs> to? Turn the car around and go, man. <laughs> That's the slowest K-turn in the history of driver's ed for first a- time behind K-turn. the wheel.
1: Move it, buddy. What is the K-turn? It's like you have to like you like form a K with like the way you back up and like and like pull out. Two forty-five degree angles to get around, yeah. Because you do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he's bad at it. He's really bad at it. But she's, she's got an idea. She's she's aware of what he's been working on um, throughout the, the whole years that they've been together for so long. So if I can get some type of evidence or some type of any, any anything about that, maybe I have a chance to prove that I'm not insane, as everyone thinks I am. So she goes back to the house, and I thought the, they did a real good job designing the house, too, because like everything's like, as someone dies, and it's going to have to be auctioned off, probably, there's drapes all over everything. And it looks like people standing like with like ghost sheets, man, I was, I was, I was on edge. Like, like there was, and and it's small things that are really unnerving me in this film.
0: Covered like Mm. draped. Mm -hmm. Thought that was a nice little (coughs) homage or nod to the original invisible man Mm too. recognize. And even the scene in the hospital where the burned guy in the bandages rolls by on the gurney and she looks at him like that. Maybe that's him
1: too. I thought about, yeah, I was like, is that the Claude's rain nod at that point? It's nice. I think had that's have, important. Had to have been. Uh, let me tell you one thing I'm glad that the film didn't do was kill this dog because I thought that was coming. So for all you animal lovers out there and dog lovers especially, you and I, Matt, this dog survives the film.
0: <laughs> to Zeus surviving the <laughs> oh, day. Oh, like I
1: thought at, at some point he was just going to get strangled. Like yeah. Kevin Bacon last week, he doesn't give a shit about dogs. He's just beating them all around the cage.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So Look, let me Looking back at this, man. Hollow it's such a terrible film. It's bad. Oh, that's a bad movie. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we did a whole hour on that, but mother, boy, that movie sucks.
1: Motherfucker. <laughs> God, that's a terrible film. Anyway. Okay. Um, let me tell you a little bit of a deal breaker with this film for me, and it's coming up, which is, I think, the over-showing or over-explanation of the technology of The Invisible Man. Okay. So think back to the original one the Claude Rains he's invisible we we don't know how he what he did to become and what he concocted to make himself invisible we just know he's the invisible man and i like that we get in late and to me horror works best when you don't overcomplicate and overexplain what's doesn't need to be explained because we already have a very significant suspension of disbelief with the idea of an invisible man this suit that they we end up seeing is like it's like a camera suit. There's like little kind of like, almost like GoPros all over, mm-hmm. like hundreds of them. And I personally didn't didn't need to to see that. I would have much rather he just he's just invisible, but not really see like the suit element. The suit kind of kind of killed it a little bit for me at least.
0: No, you're yes, that's <laughs> fair. And the other thing too, I think just saying he's an expert in the field of optics that's enough. Yeah, and. It's a bit contrived. I, again, I don't want to see him ascending to the expert place in the field of optics either. How fucking boring. Yeah. Oh, no. You're okay. That's you, <laughs> Jesse. That's, doggone it. up. it. I can't believe that. Just rewind. Go back. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Dang it. Yeah. The quarter in the jar. There you ding, go. Ding, ding. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a bit quick. Again, yeah, you're right. Get in late. We don't want to watch that. You know but who, he just happens to be in optics. Okay. I'm nodding my head like I'll give you that one. You should give about three of those per film.
1: You get three head nods. I before. do.
0: I like because uh, <laughs> you have to a little bit. If you're yeah. gonna be the person sitting in theater, like, yeah, that could never happen because there's just in called gravity. And like, they did just
1: welcome to life, and that's not a movie. And this is a testament to the film that doesn't ruin the film for me. It's all. just I didn't need that part of it. Okay, fair. You know who reminded me of actually was Mysterio. Oh, God. With his cameras creating illusions.
0: Right. That's bad, too. Yeah.
1: But then we get another great moment. So there's there's this, I guess, two suits. And so he's in the house again, followed her there. And she hides one in, like, a, a little vent. And that's going to come back into play here at the end of the film. But then has to escape just by, like, the, the skin of her teeth. Like, just the suspense sequences are are very well done in the film. Um, just all around how they're how they're executed, how they're blocked, how they're shot. Um, a lot of roving camera, very omniscient uh, camera moves. Some there was some long takes there in the in the mental hospital that I think play out very well. Are you okay with there being two of these suits? I guess at this point that we don't know that
0: yet, but we're going to come to find out. There's two suits. There has to be at least two suits. Yeah. Post viewing, mm-hmm. sitting here with me now. Mm-hmm. Does that still resonate in an okay place for yeah, you? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I could see he has the technology to make one. You could make two. Mm-hmm. I mean, stored one that's maybe charging while you're using one. I, 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 it's there's plausible deniability in that. Yeah, it's a little convenient, but not a head nod convenient. Okay, no. I'm just curious what you thought about that. No,
1: yeah, that's like to have seen no suits but yeah if there's one and there's two that's it's 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 fine
0: did you like the look of the suit when the suits revealed on the man did you like the look it's of it? very
1: alien like right. not like yes scott alien but like it's like like the greys or like <laughs> the palladium like it, it looks like a it's a very skinny angular shape Ooh if the
0: alien the xenomorph was made into a suit of armor mm-hmm. that's what i feel like this would be mm-hmm. but instead of chainmail it's cameras
1: yeah and no, no no like like penis head
0: are those cameras on it i think those are cameras yeah, they in have the to little be. like what
1: i imagine it, uh, this, geodesic holes how i imagine the science working is the cameras just like self reflect like yeah. the environment right to create nothing Right. This is like James Bond's car in Die Another Day. I'm down. I think it's the same technology, actually.
0: <laughs> and I also really like that they didn't make this a science in the science fiction movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, We got enough to sort of understand how the suit works and how he gets to a state of invisibility. Yeah. But didn't burden me with the physics and the optics and all the blah, blah, no, blah. Not like last week. Right. <laughs> right. That's yeah. why you just took the words out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Unlike last week.
1: Yes, yeah, because the focus of this movie, is, this is Elizabeth Moth's story of... Trauma, survival, and reaction to the current situation, mm-hmm. which is, the talk about the budget. It's, what, $7 million to make this film? Nine. Seven to nine? Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. Like, they don't get crazy with the execution of this film. It's very self-contained, very few locations. The, um, the effects aren't out of control. No, you can totally see how they were able to spend the, this much on that. Mm-hmm. So now we get to a maybe maybe my favorite moment of the film, the restaurant. So she goes to the restaurant to meet her sister. I have evidence to tell you that Adrian's alive. So and, and what's good before this too is they kind of repair their relationship a little bit, semi, yeah. semi like saying like you know you're always a very good detective It's because you're so intimidating and this and that. And so she's telling him about you know you know what what she has. He said
0: that wherever I went, he would find me. Walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Adrian is dead. He's not dead. He has figured out a way to be invisible.
1: So they're having this conversation, and then literally, out of nowhere, this knife comes up and slits the sister's throat, and then the knife immediately plunges into Cecilia's hands, making it look like she did it to the patrons around her. This was shocking to me. What did did you think of this?
0: To its success and also to a moment that's unfortunate a little later, I think it's the best part in the movie. Mm. Um, it's really good. Yeah. No way I saw that coming. Yeah. And the thing that I thought, again, to the writing-wise of this, for Lee Wannell for me, her sister, I'm going to curse again here, everybody, so you have to give me this one because I don't know another way to describe <clears throat> this more succinctly than this word. Okay. Her sister is such a bitch to the waiter. <laughs> In that i was so like oh my god is a time in my life when i waited tables thinking, well, that, that waiter
1: is kind of douchey too
0: because he asked him if they wanted water <laughs> okay every waiter out there don't ask jesse if he wants water because you officially become a douche don't, don't don't all right don't offer me water god you're mean <laughs> she's such a bitch to that waiter yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really distracting to me and it worked because it took me out of that so when that knife boom goes across her throat and does her in i was really taken. the whole place <gasps> In my theater, and yeah. I had a full theater last night.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't... Yeah, I don't like... I'm pretty quiet when I watch films. If something makes me... Except on aud- a notebook when you're whimpering. Weeping my eyes out. <laughs> God bless Ryan Gosling and <laughs> Rachel McAdams. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, if a film's able to make me audibly gas, I think I literally said I was like, oh, shit, like when that happened because I just... I didn't see it coming at all. And then the circumstances of how it plays, like, oh, God, like... Now she's in the worst possible situation she could possibly be in now. She's a murderer. And who's going to believe her now?
0: And all of this goes back to sane people, not normally, Mm -hmm. cutting the throats of other people in public places. Right? Mm -hmm. So that contract again is now in play. We are all doing this not only to isolate her, which is a good horror trope and works entirely well in this film, but then also to prove to the powers that be that adjudicate the money... (laughs) which is Griffin's brother in the executive state of the trust that she's not of a sane state and to not have to continue to make those payments. Yeah. I think this is, it's a great scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what I'll say other than it's a terrific. Well, scene. let's get
1: to the loony bin now. This, this mental hospital, she's under psychiatric watch. There's ratchet. There's ratchet. They, they put her to sleep, which again, another thing, like don't put me out. God, And no he's, kidding. he's in the room, like he's right there. I know he is. So it's at this moment that we we find out that they, they, they do you know, some blood tests for her and they they find out that she's currently pregnant and she's absolutely shocked. She doesn't know how this could have happened, you know, because she's been doing that birth control kind of psych out. But then she's paid a visit by the brother at this point. And this is kind of where all sins are revealed, where he's going to get her off of this murder charge and this insanity, whatever. Um, because he admits that Adrian's still alive. And if you come back home to him and raise this child together, that'll get you out of this situation.
0: There's a lot of reveals in that scene also that the brother has doctored her birth control and she actually wasn't on it. Mm -hmm. He was giving her a placebo or something in place of the birth control. She thought she was taking. Mm -hmm. How does the brother know all that? I mean, I guess you can say maybe they discussed it. Yeah. So the invisible man is alive. The money's about to dry up. It will continue in perpetuity if she'll just come back to the brother Mm -hmm. that is not dead because the suicide was faked. And we knew that anyway. Yeah. She's pregnant. The contract is completely created and in complete control of the brother that is now in the hospital with her. We're starting to see the brother that's the poor, unwitting victim of more violence that Griffin pervade on everyone. Mm Mm-hmm isn't actually such a victim anymore. Yeah. He's cooked up this whole master plan and that goes back to the two suits. Huh? Maybe that's interesting. What's going on with that? Anyway, he's very, very knowledgeable about the way this should go. That benefits
1: everyone. Yeah. So she's pissed. She knocks over his documents and his pens, but manages to steal a s- pen, sneak away. This is going to come back later yeah. when um, she's in the room. It's in bedtime. She goes to the shower she knows the person's in the room with her she's just gonna kill herself starts slitting her wrist with the pen and is immediately stopped by the assailant and this gives her full opportunity to just go to town on him with this this pen stab him up and damages the suit in the in the onslaught so now he's like shifting from visibility to to camera suit to visibility to camera suit which yeah again that i the, the, I, did, I don't want to see the, the the camera suit but it's okay but I think a really well done sequence of, it reminded me of Terminator 2. Do you remember like Linda Hamilton's taking down all those like orderlies? Um, this is what that reminded me of, this hallway kind of takedown of all these assailants. And they have the gun on her, but like he's taking them all out.
0: In a standalone moment, her cutting her own wrist with the pen would speak to that not sane state. Mm-hmm. But she's starting to now show a character trait that's not developed until we get to this point in the script and that she's a bit more cagey and strategic. And she knows that if she does that, there will be a response, especially considering the information the brother has just given her about the baby and the money and come home and all of those things. She reckons that she will be, I think this is completely calculated, mm-hmm. rescued or detained or assailed by the new invisible man, which then gives her a chance to attack him and then maybe do away with the bad guy. That's It's excellent. Right, and don't you think the intention of that pin is to kill him? It's not just, <laughs> I'm going to kick him in the knee and run away. It's to I, do him in. i want to kill him. Of course. Mm-hmm. There's no coming back from this. Yeah. Which then I think leads into a really great sequence in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then that leads into another great sequence in the parking oh, lot. Yeah, that was good too, in and the rain. Yeah. Yeah, all of these orderlies coming, just falling by the wayside because they don't know who's there. But here's the other thing now that has happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is calculated on her half, on her behalf, but it's a benefit to her. Everybody's seeing what's happening. So maybe this notion that an invisible man exists is actually really a thing because people don't just get punched in the face by nothing. Yeah. So in this moment, mm-hmm. and the suit's also still flickering a little bit, mm-hmm. the invisible man is having to reveal himself. Whether hook or by crook, she is starting to get a foothold in the fight against the invisible man over a pin. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Good job, Lee Wannell. To that again, yeah. I'm gonna because I hope I'm not killing his name. I think it's a Wannell. Wannell. Wannel? W- okay, yeah. if yeah. I'm mispronouncing it, Lee, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, that. No. Uh, superb. Really good. Really well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now she's worried of that he's gonna go after some of her loved ones. So the home of James, where with the daughter is, right? And you know, tries to put the attack on her, and then he gives he gives uh, yeah James a pretty. Bad beating. Like, oh, I thought he was going to kill him, too. Beats the
0: hell out of yeah.
1: him. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough.
0: Where his eyes roll back in his head and you mm-hmm. just get the whites of his eye?
1: Yeah. Well done. Yep. And then something that was set up earlier when she was cooking and burnt the, the breakfast and they had to extinguish it. So Elizabeth Moss knows where this extinguisher is and comes in and blasts him with it to reveal somewhat of a figure. But now she's got a gun and puts like four or five in him to reveal the suit. And the full figure of the invisible man.
0: So we get the inevitable death and thus the reveal as we are demasked. Mm-hmm. Whether this is Claude Rains turning back into a visible state at the end of The Invisible Man or Kevin Bacon's Falling into the Fire 50,000 000... into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> or this one. Yeah. Okay, so there's the invisible man laying in the camera suit and she pulls back the mask. Mm-hmm. Now remember, she's already found another suit and hidden it. Yeah, it's an event in Adrian's vent in the closet, mm-hmm. which that's also set up earlier in the film. We can get to that. Yeah, or we didn't, but it's set up also why mm-hmm. it was in the closet. No, I said mention that. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I mean like what, like why the closet mattered. Okay, so <laughs> we pull back the mask mm-hmm. and it's the brother. Mm-hmm. At this moment in the film, for me, I went, "Oh shit, that baby is the brother's baby."
1: You you immediately went right to that? that? Immediately went Hmm, to that. Interesting.
0: It just seemed that this guy, the whole time, and that was just like, yeah, maybe that baby isn't. Okay. And because I was like, that conversation over the contract in the hospital really had my dander up.
1: So you think it was him the entire time?
0: I do. I I don't have any evidence other than uh, maybe some thoughts going forward and not even sour mash, but possibilities. So. He's dead. I guess the situation has been solved, but maybe the invisible man who we thought to be the invisible man wasn't and he's still alive. And here's my question for you. So they go back to Adrian's
1: house, I guess, Mm -hmm. mansion Mm mansion.
0: And they knock down some little tiny board and there he is beaten to pieces, Mm -hmm. tied up in some, you know, bondage-y kind of thing. Yeah. Is it possible Mm -hmm. that he could have sealed himself in that bondage room place. I don't think so. I don't think
1: it was possible with him. I think his brother put him in there.
0: Right. So at least they're working together. Yeah, definitely. Or Mm -hmm. maybe they're not working together. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that he's not still a domestic abusive ass. Mm -hmm. That That doesn't give him any green light pass on that previous behavior with her. He's still the same guy there. But I don't know if I have enough evidence in this moment to say it's a plan, or maybe we've already found who the bad guy is. Mm -hmm.
1: See, I don't know where I fall on that because I want to say Adrian was in the suit at times throughout the film because earlier in the kitchen he like grabs her and says like surprise, and it sounds like him, not the brother. So I don't know either. Obviously, they're working together. Maybe taking turns is like a scream situation here. Well, and we can play
0: out the the medicine that you said too, the diazepam mm-hmm. but okay it's his blood on there but that doesn't mean because it's his blood and he, i want to
1: say it's him too because we've seen his outbursts of anger and we have a history of that
0: okay but we are
1: right okay mm-hmm.
0: that that yes and i'm not even i'm not even disagreeing with yeah. you in this i'm also saying in the control of the contract mm-hmm. and in a manipulative state one of those two brothers is in a superior position to the other, and it's the lawyer brother who is clearly the cerebrally superior strategist of the two.
1: Or is it Adrian knowing that his brother would be offed by Cecilia, leaving him the sole victor? Like, I don't know. Like, right. All that's good. Yeah.
0: All of this is good stuff. Good stuff. So I like all that.
1: Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and set up the the final sequence of the film?
0: Okay, so she returns home and after a phone call, I guess a makeup dinner to try to put the pieces back together. And she creates an environment where she gives Adrian two choices. Mm -hmm. You can be part of your son's life that I'm pregnant with, or maybe not your son, your child's life that I'm pregnant with, Mm -hmm. if you essentially promise to not do this anymore. There's not a whole lot of teeth in it, but other than the bond of the family. Yeah. And Adrian seems to be all too welcoming and ready to take her back. And I think he, I actually do think he's missed her. Mm-hmm. I think he genuinely cares for her, which if he's the psycho who's been killing and stalking her, isn't out of the realm of possibility. Who knows why bad guys do some of the things that they do. Yeah. So I guess they kind of make up. Mm-hmm. We think. Mm-hmm. And a little tear rolls down her cheek and she says, I need to go to the bathroom and clean myself up. This is really important. This next part for me. Okay. We see her in the mirror in the bathroom crying and, you know, big breath to kind of put it back together. Here comes the next part of my life. It's go time. Here we go. Big girl panties. Time to be a woman. Cut back to dinner. He's created quite this spread. He's sitting there with a steak knife. And all of a sudden, in much the same way that happened earlier in the film, Mm -hmm. knife goes across his throat and he falls to the ground dead. Okay. Cut back. Mm -hmm. Down the hallway comes Elizabeth Moths. Now, remember, all of this is camera. Yeah. On a camera that is videotaping the whole thing. So she does a great, again, to another f- superb acting performance. Mm-hmm. Picks up the phone, dials 911, I need you to come. There's been an accident. And the minute the Mongol ends, it's back to steely, icy. Yeah. And we come to mm-hmm. realize, oh shit.
1: She did this. She
0: did this. Mm-hmm. And he's completely surprised that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then as he expires on the floor, we've also come to know that. James mm-hmm. the cop who had kind of put her up is listening to her with a wire which don't get me started on wires in film but I guess it make whatever let's yeah. that's not the movie mm-hmm. okay cuz this actually really doesn't even matter yeah he rushes in to protect her cuz he hears the screaming and Griffin Adrian Griffin dies and they meet outside the house, and she's carrying a duffel bag, which is the same duffel bag that she used earlier in the film mm-hmm. to hide the suit in the closet. And as she says, what do you think happened? We are given the reveal that there's an invisible suit in that duffel bag. Thus, she had it on. Thus, she killed Adrian. Now, up to this point, I'm mostly okay. Okay, It's a little neat for me. Yeah. And so like a a little, not, not, not to the point where I'm ready to jump.
1: It's a little neat. It seems like there's a missing passage of time for her to put like the suit on and like go back and forth between the two. You
0: keep taking my words this week. Exactly. (laughs) Like I'm I'm
1: thinking the same things watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I didn't like this last parting shot, which is her again, leaving the estate and it's tight on her. Mm -hmm. And, We see her stop a few feet short of the camera as she looks at the horizon in front of her and a wry smile tickles the corners of her mouth. Mm -hmm. You're going to give me one on that, aren't you? That was pretty
1: good. Thank you. Yep.
0: And we fade out. So I guess she's happy with the future and has an invisible suit in her bag. So the possibilities for what comes next with her are boundless.
1: You see, and I don't think about the possibilities. I, I think of her as, you know, going through... This ordeal, this situation, she's given Adrian his just desserts for whatever crazy scenario has been happening for the last two hours. And I think she finally feels free officially that he, but well, it's not a stage suicide. She killed him and it looks like he killed himself. Like she set it up nicely with the cameras and the evidence. Like she'll get off just fine. To me, it seems like a completion of her arc that she's gone from, you know, being tortured, emotionally abused, physically assaulted, gone through the gamut, through this entire film. She's lost her sister. She's been called insane. No one's believed her. And now I think that smile, not no necessarily I'm going to go cause a rain of terror no, no, across, not, the, no. across the thing, but more so of like, it's over. And like, now I can finally smile now. And, not, and to me, that leaves me... That leaves me satisfied because I don't see anything past this. You know what I mean?
0: I have two things about that. As this is a woman coming to terms with the society that doesn't want to believe that she's in a domestically abusive relationship.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel or what my deduction today. I just need to spend more time thinking about it is Mm -hmm. her finishing him off in a state of invisibility. I understand why she did it in the movie, I do. And the metaphor, the thematic approach in the film, I'm still wrestling with that a little bit. Not good or bad, I don't know if I have a place yet, but I find myself thinking about Mm -hmm. what my perceptions of her attaining her freedom in an invisible state, per the context of the film might be. Does it mean that she's smart? Is it this movie losing? For a brief moment and a little bit... I'm not even saying it's not petty. I'm not saying... I'm just thinking about it out loud. Mm -hmm. Her doing it at invisible state maybe changes what the movie's message was. And then the other thing that I continue to think about is... She's going to have a baby. Mm -hmm. If that baby... Just if...
1: Comes out invisible. No, no. I'm just... (laughs) Stop it.
0: It's not going to come out in a suit. If that baby... Is the brothers which to me there's been enough of a shred of doubt sure. implanted that it could possibly be mm-hmm. and she comes to the realization that she murdered the wrong guy yeah that's what cool. does that mean for her with a suit of invisibility going forward because well, either let
1: me, let me tell you, you go ahead and finish
0: yeah let me finish that and then yeah. i promise i'll give it to you yeah because like that's why i wanted that scene And and maybe there is an Invisible Man 2 coming. Like she already said it's coming. She's in production on it. It's coming. The script is written. I'll I'll,
1: I'll believe it when I see it.
0: I I will send you the interview with her and Wen. I think that's a uh, colossal
1: mistake actually. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. We talk about sequels all the time. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's coming. This movie's going to clear 60. Yeah. What did I say? It was going to clear 80 in two weeks. No, you
1: said 60 by the end of its run, which easy. I was going to come make a bet with you on the, the over under on that. I, I, I think it's going to go over that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: We'll clear 60. And mm-hmm. I'm with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If that baby isn't hers and then we've come to realize that she's killed the wrong guy, that makes her what he was, but even worse. That's hyper violent. Yeah. And then she's killed both the perceived and actual biological fathers of her children. And you can't take that situation in a movie that makes money with a company like Blumhouse and miss on what her life looks like next. Yeah. She's going to be a disaster. And within her duffel bag, there's a little suit that makes her invisible as much as you might not like that, and I understand where you're coming from, I am super intrigued by that idea. I don't want to see that movie
1: in the slightest, and let, let me I, just...
0: Okay, so, but I am I do.
1: Okay. To me, this is what it reminds me of. It reminds me of, because I love film endings like this. They're so open-ended with which direction they can turn with the lead character, you know, getting one up on the villain. To me, this, this ending kind of shows, whether invisible or visible, how she does them in. Adrian's Invisible Man, whoever it has been, has had one up on her the entire film. And now this is her her showing, I got one up on you this time, motherfucker. Yeah, right. And she lets him have it. Sure. To me, this leaves me kind of in the same headspace as great film endings like Seven and Whiplash, where obviously you can, you know, stretch out more and kind of ask yourself more of, well, what happens after that? Because it ends so abruptly. Like, what's the next steps? Like, what happens to David Mills Post killing John Doe with your wife's head in a box. What happens to Andrew Neiman post relationship with Terrence Fletcher? And to me, this is why film's my favorite medium of book music, is because you can have that conversation with yourself in your head. um, But I like it best when we don't see the next steps, because sometimes it's not as good as what I can come up with in my head.
0: Yeah. If this, okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. To
0: me, I, I, Jesse, I don't disagree with a single syllable no, yeah, yeah. you uttered there. I'm on board mm-hmm. with what I said and what you said 100% both ways. If we cut back after he dies and she walks away to the bathroom, which is where she would have had to probably go back to to dress out of the suit, mm-hmm. unless she just did it in the hallway. Maybe she did it in the hall. I don't know. If we see the suit somewhere <coughs> left behind, I think the movie has a stamp on it that says it's done. Mm-hmm. The fact that she has it with her yeah, and all of the things that she's been through, mm-hmm. to me, and and positively so, yeah. speaks to possibilities for her with it going It absolutely
1: forward. speaks to possibilities. If and, that's execution-wise, if that's the right direction to go, personally, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Let me bring up Dark Universe at this point because originally this was going to be part of... Dark universe and Johnny Depp Depp was going to be the invisible man. And Mm -hmm. it was a part of the Tom Cruise, Alex, uh, uh, Kurtzman, this whole cinematic universe. And it really, I was really started. I was thinking about this a lot while watching it last night Mm -hmm. and sans Marvel and what Kevin Feige was able to do with that series of films. I don't know if cinematic universes that are all tied together are a great thing for Hollywood. Don't disagree. Because what it allows you to do, and and Marvel's guilty of this too, Marvel's not able to tell singular, cohesive stories because they're setting up the next two to three to four to five films. Mm -hmm. And what I really liked about this one is it felt like a one-off. This is The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. And I think that's what Universal and Blumhouse, if they're going to do more monster films, and we're going to talk about that here coming up in the nightcap question, I'd rather see directors with a singular vision do what Lee Wannell did in this film and to see something tied over with four films for them to meet up. Cause visually I don't know what that looks like, but unless it's handled expertly, I don't think that's a great filmmaking mechanism anymore.
0: I don't disagree with you. And we're about to find out. Yeah. DC has not been at all secretive about their saying we're not really going to do a big expanded universe. We're going to mostly tell just really good stories. Mm-hmm. So we're going to watch two things happen now over the course of the next five years. Yeah. And that's and if you can you all can get online and look at the number of monster movies that are coming. I think the next one is called Dark Army. That's already slated. It's in production or at least (laughs) pre-production and it's supposed to be all of the universal monsters in some shape with some new iterations of other monsters. That's very sparse details on that, but that's the next universal monster coming. And
1: that's great for a movie, but you don't have to make six of those to lead up to that. I don't disagree. Yeah, The Bride is already in production. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: The guy that did Spider-Man is tied to that. Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. What's his name? Um, I'll look it up in a minute. Oh, Mark Webb. No, the writer. I'll look it it up in a minute. He's already tied to the new bride. Okay, so, and then they've talked about a number of things that if you just want to get on any wiki or just Google it, it's it's in production. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is DC's going to test the really good one-off in a titled universe. I'm doing universe with scare quotes around it the DC universe. There doesn't have to be one big baddie that ties it all together. Tom Cruise doesn't have to be the uniting element of good that fights all the monsters. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see that versus Mm -hmm. what this new phase of Marvel looks like because everyone is asking who's the next Thanos Mm -hmm. and you're going to see it play out with success or failure. Now there's execution, some other things involved. Let
1: me ask you a question though.
0: Well, hold on. Let me finish this up before it gets too far away from it. If we continue with this, and it could be an absolute disaster. I think Universal, Wannel and the Invisible Man series has a chance to explore something that's not done often with female protagonists, and that's, I can't think of one right now, Jesse, maybe other than Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. That is the protagonist, Robin Hood-esque, on the lamb from the forces that be, and in a socially conscious horror way, which I'm all about, a great, great story, it's probably the police
1: yeah. and males. But here's the thing. I, you can't overstay your welcome. This story only has so much it can do. Sure.
0: No, right. There's only so many times you can show up and hide. And like, be
1: invisible. Right, and do you're this, right. You no, you're right. And do the same parlor tricks, really. Uh,
0: you're absolutely, to that, I totally agree with you. You're right.
1: My question to you is, would you rather see like a one just like really great film that's just acting, directing, writing? It's just they're at an 11 the entire time. Or would you rather see like a mediocre film that leads up and like hints at a great film, 15 films from now?
0: It's a too easy question. You're obviously, I mean, obviously a a, a great film is going to be.
1: Because that's what it feels like. I'd much rather spend my, I I watch shitty movies. I watched all the Police Academy movies, all six of them the 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 other week. Um. What? Yeah, exactly. I got some time. I, I had some time that day. Well, I was sick. Oh yeah. Okay. It made me sicker. I was <laughs> just gonna say probably that's why you're in such a bad state today. Your voice is so hoarse from all the laughing, I was right? Laughing too hard. Oh ha No, but it, it just that's just my place right now. I'd rather. That's why I really appreciated this film was it didn't feel tied to anything. It just mm. Lee Wendell came in and told the story he wanted to tell, and he got out. And why don't we rate it?
0: Um, are we done with the dark universe in our conversation about right, that? Cause you, you, I feel like there was something hanging out there that we were going to get you, to. We didn't you get got to more
1: dark universe to talk about. I don't know. I just, you know, the mummy truck, they put the cart way before the horses on that thing. They had a logo. They went to comic con that year and they had Johnny Depp, Javier Bardem, Tom Cruise like, Crow. with this photo. You can find the photo online. Guys,
0: you can find the trailer for the Dark Universe still up and going. It's all classic Universal monster stuff <laughs> preluding to what never came to be through the dissolution of Kurtz Orsi and the failures of the mummy, which was also precluded by the failures of Dracula Undying. Is that the name of that film? Untold. Dracula Untold? Mm-hmm. It, please go watch it. Yeah. You can see where this was headed. And if you watch the mummy and I know that movie is killed, you can see where even that's headed. Like they've created Tony Stark and Tom Cruise. I think
1: it failed appropriately.
0: Sure. And I'm not saying I want that resurrected. Yeah. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. but I do love the monsters. No, no, I do
1: too, but I'd, I'd rather see this type like Lee Wannell did versus what the mummy is. Sure. Yeah. I don't disagree with any yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah.
0: So, no chance you want to see Invisible Man 2. I
1: mean, I'll see it, but I don't want it. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So, when we rate Invisible Man, we have Rock Gut, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Matt, you're real hard on Hollow Man last week. It was a Rock Gut rating for you. What are you going to give Invisible Man this week?
0: I have to ask you a question before I give you my rating. Okay. Because I think it's going to solidify a point that I want to make, maybe or maybe not. You may prove me wrong. Okay. If I was to say that Inception offers one of the greatest endings in film you've ever seen, okay. would you dump your bourbon on my head?
1: If you said, if,
0: if Jesse, you, Inception's one of the best movies in film ever, huh? Yeah. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. No. You would agree with me. Yeah. If that movie ends with the totem, I think it's the um, top, mm-hmm. topples and stops, are you pissed? Does it change that? It, does. it doesn't change the movie, but does it change the ending? It does change the ending. Agreed. Okay, to that, we're in agreement. Thank you. Because I like open endedness. Yes. Mm-hmm. To me, just to me, mm-hmm. and this is why it's mm-hmm. not as high as it could be. Yeah. The smile at the end from her for me mm-hmm. is the top stopping for me. Okay. I'm glad she's happy. I'm glad she's done away with who we think is the bad guy, maybe. I'm glad that she's going off to a life of whatever grandeur offers her. But for me, that kept this movie from being top shelf because I loved this film. Mm -hmm. That kept it from being top shelf to... I I probably wouldn't give this a single barrel rating for me because that tends to speak to an element of originality and this is a reimagining. So that wasn't ever in play. This is the highest... Call plus, I can give a film that I think I've given without it being top shelf. And if she just walks off stoically with that suit in the bag, and we don't get the pretty bow at the end, that's the smile. Where it works, it works in whiplash. Yeah. Which I don't even know what that means other than those two have made peace with each other. Yeah, it
1: just just depends on how you interpret it. It doesn't work
0: for me Mm -hmm. as much as it might for you, and that's going to keep this movie from being... Top shelf. It is call plus. It's okay. a terrific film. I was wildly entertained. There's a couple of jump scares. It's handled per like expertly. Elizabeth Shue is not going Elizabeth to be- Moss. Sorry, Elizabeth Moss is not- Wow. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss is not going to be remembered for a fantastic performance in this movie because they never honor that other than Linda Blair in horror. Mm-hmm. It's a really solid film yeah. that made me think and I left the movie with thoughts and that is a huge, huge- boon of accomplishment for this film it is as hot ha- as high as call plus as it can be mm-hmm. but it's not quite top shelf i really enjoyed this film yeah superb film excellent thank you
1: i'm gonna actually go ahead and give it a, a rating of single barrel this is my favorite horror film i've seen since us of last year and i've seen quite a few since then what Lee Whannell was able to do with such a minuscule budget, and we really hit home on like how little they spent on this film, and they're going to reap the benefits of that for sure. Universal is really good at that because they did that with Split as well. Yeah. Paid off big time for them. Sure. Uh
0: They should stay in that, huh? 9 to 15 is a really good
1: place for them. Yeah, don't get crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially in horror. You can do amazing things with this. Mm-hmm. I really like this film. It made me uncomfortable at like four to five different parts where I, I was literally... Stressed out for a majority of this film, yeah. which is that's hard for a film to do, especially horror. Agreed. Um, uh, Elizabeth Moss is, is amazing. uh thought the music was really well done. It was oh
0: no uh, joke. Yeah, right. We really, talk about that. Yeah,
1: really uncomfortable. Benjamin wallfish yeah, he did the music for the it films. But no, I, I really like this film. I can't recommend it higher. Um, I don't know if the trailers necessarily do this film justice. Agreed. It's it's hard to say, but Yeah, if you want to see a powerhouse performance, if you want to be scared on the edge of your seat, um, there's some very uncomfortable moments in this film. Yeah, you got to see it. It's for horror needed between the turning, whatever that grudge remake was, uh, and horror hasn't gotten off to a great start here in 2020. This is perfect. This is perfect for them. Did the grudge already come and go? Yeah, it was in January. It was terrible. Everyone hated it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So also to Lee Wannell's credit, so this is something I wanted to allude to, his next film that he has in the works, and you know how hard I am on remakes and especially these types, but his next film that he's currently writing is Escape from New York, right? the remake. right? And he, they, they interviewed him and they said, Lee, who would you want to play Snake Plissken? And, you know, I'm always down on all this. You know, this has been circulating around for years. Gerard Butler's been in the conversation. He actually said there's only one person that could possibly play this character, and it's not Kurt Russell, oh. but Wyatt Russell, his son. His son. Yeah, which I can totally picture that to the T. You're going to get to see a lot of Wyatt Russell as U.S. agent on the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. And if you didn't see the film Overlord, he's in that, and he's really great. So that suddenly made me, after seeing this film, it made me a little optimistic about what that could potentially look like if he's going to approach a remake the way he did with this one that could be something pretty unique so
0: yeah let's go man yeah, bring it on boy that looks like something that we have to see i can't wait that's mm-hmm. going to be terrific yeah um and then a younger version of him they look identical Gosh, could we get it like just a moment for Kurt Russell in there in some way? He's got to be in there somehow. Yeah, right? he should play the Levee Cleef character. What's the uh, like? Adrian Barbeau's got to be in there at some point too, right? Mm-hmm. For something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. That's so, and that's coming in twenty one, right? Either next year or the year after.
1: He's still writing it.
0: Uh, I spoke earlier about the Bride remake, and I wanted to give people the name that is associated and already attached to that. It's David Kep, who has quite. Of filmography in and unto of himself, but mostly notably, Spider-Man from 2002, the mm-hmm. one that you and I like the best, I think, out of that whole franchise. Yeah. So, um, is that the first one or is that the second
1: one? That's the no. We like the second one. Okay, that's the first one. We did the first
0: one. So that's oh, anyway. Regardless, that's that one. Yeah. Elvin
1: Sargent did the second one. You're right. Yeah.
0: So there we go. He's already tied already- to the bride, and supposedly that's slated for somewhere late one, early two. Okay. uh From what I read. Uh, the other thing too that I found that was pretty interesting is we've talked a lot about in Marvel Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. So the guy that Adrian in this film Griffin is in discussions to play Moon oh, Knight. Ol- Oliver Jackson. Oliver Jackson's ready. It, that's the guy.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's wrap up this episode. This has been a good one, uh, with you know talking about you know the future of what these universal monsters look like and. Whether it's a universe or a standalone, Matt, which what do you want to see next? Invisible, you gotta let me get and, and, all the
0: way through this before you like just turn off the sound on the podcast.
1: Invisible baby,
0: right? No. <laughs> no one wants to see that. <laughs> There's no drama there. Okay. Okay. Um I think it's this is going forward. If Blumhouse could get their hands on one, what would it be, right? Yeah. Okay. I want it to be Jekyll and Hyde. Okay. But I want it to be Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. I don't want a comedy. I don't want from Freaky Friday nonsense. Here's what I want. Board of directors, courtroom structure, at the table, the 12 preferred stockholders. This is number 12 on the list of 11. I'm sorry, this is number 12 on the list of 12. Okay. Like the least important primary preferred stock owner. And I want you to take a really solid concept which was disclosure, Demi Moore and Michael Douglas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a poorly executed film. Mm-hmm. I want you to take that and an ability to take executive corporate suit with the Hyde serum to then play out the vixen who seduces these executives into their own demise, whether that be actual violent or corporate or domestic to start climbing the ladder to be the preferred stockholder in company X that's going to do whatever business, blah, 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 blah. That's what I want. That sounds
1: great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde. Demi Moore would be really good in that movie. Yeah, she in would. Like 1990s Demi Moore. Yeah, not today. Interesting. She couldn't even make it to set. Uh, yeah, disclude. I, I watched that recently actually as well. Yeah, great idea, but just like. Kind of ridiculous. and
0: Michael Douglas has some of those in his, doesn't he? We yeah. take that in the Star Chamber alone. Yeah, exactly. And even the game. Mm-hmm. Those are three brilliant, high concept, should have been good movies that just didn't get there. You don't like the game? No, I like it. It could have been absolute masterpiece. That ending's kind of ridiculous. Again, for yeah. the third time in this podcast, yeah. you and me, simpatico, yes, you took the words out of my mouth.
1: All right, my choice, The Gill Man. Creature from the black lagoon. Yeah. I got to see that again. Mm -hmm. It hasn't ever really been done since those original films bar monster squad inclusion, which talk about a team up film. That's a lot of fun. This Mr. Shane black, uh, Goonies meets the universal monsters. Like that's a, that's a great movie, but yeah, I want to see the current modern version of what the creature from the black lagoon looks like. That could be a lot of fun creature feature, make him look scary and gross. Um, but yeah, damsel in distress, kind of, kind of like that. You know, play around with the dynamic of the boat crew. Do
0: you want him to be amphibious or reptilian <clears throat> or otherworldly,
1: as yet unknown? Reptilian slash amphibious, yeah. Okay, both of them. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of that. I want him to look similar to how he looks originally, but like with like a facelift, okay, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, you could pick Frankenstein and Dracula, and they've been done to death. And I thought about Wolfman, but you know. That's probably in the pipeline, but before Wolfman, I want that. I want that first. I, I want that too. Well, excellent. Those are great choices. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll we'll pay attention to these numbers and kind of pay attention to what they got coming up. If they do the Bride, we'll just have to do a cast built around the Bride. We'll do the Bride of Frankenstein. We'll do we'll do the Bride with with Sting, and then <laughs> we'll do the new one. That was a joke. I don't want to do that movie. <laughs>
0: that's a tough film, man. Ooh, that's a long movie. Yeah, exactly. Jennifer Beals, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we're gonna do Jennifer Beals. We're doing flash <coughs> dance, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the end of this cask. We're putting the lid back on it. We're putting it on the shelf of Jesus Christ, so it was this twenty casks by now, like
0: Is this the end of number 20? I don't
1: know. I'm just throwing a number. It feels like that. It's got to be close. we got quite the distillery going on over here. But the next one we have coming up, Matt, I'm just telling you right now, we've done- Live Owen. No, no no way. Hmm. We've done summer blockbusters. We've done superheroes. We've done slashers. We've done Tarantino. We've done Stephen King. Star Wars even. I don't think I've been this excited. And to give you just a little taste, have some of this.
0: and fraser like george of the jungle (laughs) no
1: (laughs) 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 on tap for next week we're gonna spend a pretty decent amount of time with mr bond we're gonna do we're gonna we'll just call the cast the name is bond james bond call it part one in bond yeah bonded yeah that's like a version of bourbon yeah bond we'll have to have bonded bourbon yes we will there you go i have a story on that too excellent spending time with Mr Bond because on April 10th we're finishing the Daniel Craig tenure of Bond films with No Time to Die. Matt, I am so excited for that film. Everything I've heard, listened, read about 163 minutes. I, <sighs> I longest Bond film yet. I can't wait. Like it's going to be it feels like it's going to be the proper send-off for his tenure which has been a very interesting period in Bond history. But for those of you that don't really know Jesse, too much. I'm a Bond aficionado, big time. I have James Bond seen it in the closet. I can only play with myself. Are you <laughs> <laughs> play with myself? I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? That's loaded. Exactly.
0: um Is he your favorite film character? He might be. Is he ahead of Rocky?
1: Well, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And like Batman's like in a category because he's comic, film, television. He goes over all the mediums, but for film character. Man, I love Indiana Jones. I love Han Solo. I love a lot of these, but it's oh, Bond over those it's, guys. It's it's always been Bond. Wow. So, so we
0: are going to hollowed ground for you. Yeah.
1: So we're gonna start with what I consider. We're gonna we're gonna tackle this in an interesting way. We're gonna do a Connery, a, the the Lone Lazenby. We're gonna do a Roger Moore, and then Craig's new one. And I think the film, if you just want to like the intro to Bond, like starter pack of like where to start to get it all, it's Goldfinger. And that's the film we're going to start with. We're going to be able to talk about the music, the gadgets, the song, the Bond girls, the Bond villains, Sean Connery himself. I'm very much looking forward to this.
0: I'm looking forward to this just to uh, listen to the stories that you're going to regale us with with your Bond knowledge. Mm -hmm. What's going to be fun is I think for the first time we're going to sit down with a hardcore fan Mm -hmm. and a very fan light. So we're going to get... okay. Extremely critical fanboy, okay, and attendee.
1: Oh, that—that's a great perspective. Which I think
0: will be a fun way to do this next cast. Now, this is going to be a really long cast, folks. This is like a six-week cast. There's a couple other things built in there too, right? Yeah, some
1: small batch film reviews that we have to talk about.
0: We have to talk. So this is going to be a really long one. And uh, look, let's just be frank about it. This is the dry season in film, so we're trying to get to some summer stuff. But this is a perfect opportunity to hit something that I think has infinite potential big time is any of these going to be the downloaded episode that conquers Endgame or alien i hope so boy that'd be something i
1: sound terrible on the alien episode and everyone just loves it for some reason because it's, it's alien go figure go figure but maybe we'll have one coming up late april that can conquer that that's similar That's called a teaser in the entertainment world. Exactly. -hmm. Well, perfect, Matt. This has been a lot of fun. Perfect, Jesse. Um, I hope to be 100% by next Saturday, so you're going to get a really great episode. Not that this hasn't been great, but I'll sound better.
0: I think it was your homage to the Invisible Man. Your voice was a semi-invisible state. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's go with that.
1: Yeah, not as bad as Alien. But I got to get going. Um, I got to go paint my house. I don't want to dump paint all over everything to find an invisible assailant, so I'm not going to do what Elizabeth Moss does.
0: I just wish you wouldn't have recorded this whole podcast in that weird ectomorph suit that you are wearing.
1: <laughs> That's so much truth. I am so Mysterio. God, excellent! We'll see you all next week. Everybody, have a great week. We will see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rise Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in. And leave us a comment at brysmileproductions at gmail.com. The Invisible Man is property of Universal Pictures, Bloomhouse Productions, Nervous Tick, and Gold Post Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. You know what I think
0: we need? I think we get kicked Dad out and have a little
1: girls' night, eat some cake. Yeah. Did you like
0: cake? <laughs> oh my God, Sydney, are you okay? Why, Why would we... you just stop? Stop,
1: Dad! No, 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 Sydney, what? I didn't. No, I What, what happened? What happened? She, she hit me. What? No, 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 James, I did not do that, Sydney. I would never hit you. I love you. I would never do that, James. It was him. He's
0: here. I enough. swear to you. Enough!
1: Enough! See enough. Just stop it. Just be okay. I
0: don't want to say Sydney, right? I'm sorry. I wouldn't, never...
1: hey, hey.